Sojourn, happy Thanksgiving. You're supposed to say happy Thanksgiving back. That's cool. We'll work, we'll work through it. We'll work through social cues. No, it, Sojourn, I am thankful this Thanksgiving. As I am every Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that I have breath. Because I've been given breath to worship the Lord. I've been given breath to proclaim His truth. I've been given breath to tell my daughters that they're loved. I've been given breath to tell my wife that she's cherished and adored above all women on this earth. So there's always much to give thanks for. Always. Even when things are hard, right? You see, we as Christians, we live by faith. Right? We do not live by sight, because if we live by sight, we're just living for the temporary. But we live by faith. Faith gives us the ability to see what isn't seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. It is by faith that we live. It is by faith that we look at the suffering of life and the challenges that is life and the pain that is life and the success that is life. And through it, we look on through onto eternity. You see, we as Christians, we live by faith. We don't ignore challenges. We're not blind to suffering. We don't say suffering doesn't exist. Pain doesn't exist. No, no, no. We say it does. But we see on through it. We keep on pressing on. And I just pray today's sermon, as it has for my own soul, that I pray it does for yours, just encourages you to keep stepping on. Just putting one foot in front of the other. Because the beautiful thing is that there's only been one perfect man, and that man is who? Jesus. And it is by that man that we are perfect, because we are clothed in Christ. But the beautiful thing about our God is he's also patient. So we just need to be patient with ourselves. He's just looking for progress. Perfection will come. But that's the hope that we long for. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the convictions of things not yet seen. So today, we just take another step in being faithful. And so I pray that this sermon encourages your hearts as it has encouraged mine all week because I don't know if you're like me but I need a hero I need examples because this walk of faith is challenging at times amen we need examples to live by we need a community that continues to press in And help us to keep looking up to Christ and saying, keep on, keeping on. But we also need to surround ourselves with dead saints. Saints that the author of Hebrews was referring to in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the Moseses, the Abrahams, the Sarahs, the Gideons, Therefore, since you're surrounded by those great cloud of witnesses, run the race the Lord has marked out for you. We look to the examples of the men and women of Scripture, of how we are to live out this thing called faith. A faith that is a gift from God. It is not a muscle that needs to be exercised. It is a gift from God that is fanned into flame by the reading of his word by the memorizing it and meditating upon it and living accordingly and living with others who are going to help us in that. So please stand with me now as we read the Word of God together. We will be in Hebrews chapter 11. Please turn there now. We will be in verses 23 through 26. It will not be on the screen. You will need a Bible. Do you need a Bible this morning? Go ahead and raise your hand. Matt will bring you one. Yes, yeah, see, I said it was on the screen. <laughs> and this is, can be an interactive time. It just, I didn't mean, I did want to throw this out. 
if I say something and it's a little bit too quick, I need everybody to be taking notes, and I'm expecting that. So if, if, if I say something a little too quick and you miss it, just, just yell out, repeat. I'm good to go on that. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read together out of verse 23 through 28. Let's not read casually. This is the word of God. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Amen. This is the reading of the Word of God. Please take a seat. Join me now in prayer. Thank you for being the God who gives the gift of faith. Thank you for giving us the ability to know you and to believe on you for salvation. Thank you for giving us faith to see through the temporary onto the eternal. Please forgive us for how overcome we can be by the temporary, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Please forgive us for seeking joy and pleasure in the empty promises of sin. How much time we have wasted. Time wasted with entangling ourselves in the sins we have been set free from. Please purify our longing for comfort as it runs deep within us to Find comfort here and in the now. Help us to find deeper comfort in our assurance of things hoped for and our conviction of things not seen. Please help us to find deeper comfort in you, the object of our faith. Through our physical eyes, we see on to the temporary, see past the temporary. Through the eyes of faith, we see on to the eternal. Please strengthen our assurance of things hoped for. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I've divided the text into four acts of faith, all during times of crisis. The first act of faith is is Moses' parents keeping the child in verse 23. The second act of faith is Moses refusing to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. The third, Moses leaving Egypt in verse 27. And then the fourth, Moses keeping the Passover in verse 28. There are three questions that I pray as you leave today would be answered. And that they just wouldn't be answered for today, but that they would cause you to contemplate all week. That they they would cause you to think. The first one, which is sort of a historical one of what was the crisis they had to endure? What was the crisis? The second question, what did faith enable them to do? And then the third question, what can we learn? Let's dive in. The first act of faith, Moses' parents keep the child. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. This text makes sense when we see that there are two threats that Moses' parents faced. The first threat is clear out of Exodus chapter 2. Allow that to be your reading this afternoon or your reading before bed. You see, Pharaoh saw that the the Jews, the, the Hebrews were rising, that more were being had and numbers were being gained and power comes with numbers. And he was afraid that they were going to join the armies 
of the enemies. And his self-righteous power was going to be, was being threatened. And so he made an edict in saying that all the firstborn children had to be killed. All the firstborn children, after his first attempt to kill them failed, all of them had to be put in the Nile where they would eventually drown. But the second threat helps us to understand the second part of the verse where it says, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. See, the second threat that they faced, that Moses' parents faced, was the very fact that they decided to hide the child. That they were not afraid for their own life. They weren't afraid of the king's edict. They were afraid for their child, so they hid the child. Moses' parents faced the threat of being caught. One cry could have meant their lives being taken or intense persecution. Moses was born into this crisis. And what did Moses' parents' faith enable them to do? Our second question. Please write this down. Faith enabled them to be ruled by faith in God, not by fear in man. Their faith freed them from the shackles of fearing man. Ruled by faith, they hid Moses. They knew that God was the giver of life. They hid the child because the child, as the text says, was beautiful. The word beautiful here means something different than a, than a physical beauty. There was something distinct about Moses because if you go to any parents, they will say that their child is beautiful. But there was something distinct about Moses. Some records indicate that Moses' father heard from the Lord that he was to be a deliverer, that Moses would be a deliverer one day. Whether he heard explicitly that word from the Lord or not, there was something distinct about Moses. Faith enabled them to fear God and not man. Fear, having a deeper reverence for God. So the first thing that their faith enabled them to do was to not fear man. But the, the second thing was, and this is pressing into the text a little further, their faith enabled them to be wise and not reckless. Their faith enabled them to be wise and not reckless. They did not just carry Moses through the streets. They wisely hid him. And when they chose to put him in the Nile, they did not just put him into the Nile and send him on down. They set him in the reeds. They set him in the reeds where Pharaoh's daughter bathed every day. And then they set him in the reeds, waited for Pharaoh's daughter to come, and Miriam hung on back, Moses' sister. And in God's providence, she was given an opportunity to mention to Pharaoh's daughter that this baby, who by this point Pharaoh's daughter saw was beautiful, was going to say, this baby needs to be fed. And so Miriam suggested that the queen, Pharaoh's daughter, not a queen, but daughter of Pharaoh, agreed to that. And so Moses' mom a slave who was poor was paid to feed her own baby. How amazing is God's providence? Faith fuels wisdom. Faith enabled them to be wise and not reckless. Faith does not cause us to be reckless but wise. Here's one commentator said, Moses was preserved by his parents' faith. Their faith, their prayers, their bravery, and their creativity saved him. Israel's deliverance began with an obscure couple believing God in the midst of darkness. 
as I pressed into this further, as I pressed into this, okay, faith leads to wisdom and doesn't lead to recklessness. How does that play out in my life? Because I'm more reckless than I am wise. When I get caught up thinking about how awesome Christ is, I'm like, let's take the mountain. Who needs to plan for it? Who needs to pack? When we get to the beach every year, my wife can always count on she'll be alone emptying the car because I see the beach and I get on running. A dear brother at our church talked to me on the phone a few weeks ago and he goes, Edward, I'm okay with the idea of this plan, but I need you to make sure that you plan. So as I sat into this text a little further, I was like, all right, Lord, help my faith to be wise and not reckless. And then I was so grateful to be surrounded by, from a distance, obviously, John Piper. I get a chance to hang out with Piper a lot. And here's what he said. So how shall we apply this today? One way would be, to, one way would be that following God's call to work with AIDS patients is an ask act of risk-taking faith and wearing rubber gloves during treatments is an act of faithful wisdom following god's call to live in a rough neighborhood is an act of risk-taking faith and buying deadbolts is an act of faithful wisdom Following God's call to Guinea or Tanzania or Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan with your children is an act of risk-taking faith. And giving your children vaccinations and malaria treatments is probably an act of faithful wisdom. So then the third question, what can we learn How can we take this truth, this example of Moses' parents, and apply it to our lives? There are many ways. Here are two that stuck out to me this week. Enduring faith guards you from fearing man. Your faith in God drowns out your fear of man. When you fear God, when you have a deep reverence for God, when you view God rightly, when you see him as being big and awesome and all-knowing and all-powerful, when you view God rightly, and then also in that, view what he says about you. In Christ, you are a chosen child of God, justified, forgiven, adopted, never to be abandoned. When you view God rightly, When you view yourself as he calls you to be. So viewing yourself rightly. And you can do that through the lens of faith. You will never see that accurately through the lens of fear. Or through the lens of the flesh. It is faith that gives you that assurance. It is faith that gives you that conviction. You see, you don't act like you're forgiven. Sometimes. But God isn't trusting in your ability to forgive yourself. He was trusting in the ability of Christ to forgive you and to keep on forgiving you. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen through the eyes of faith. We cannot fear man. The second thing, enduring faith gives you wisdom. And the reason why I keep using enduring, because as we'll see in the life of Moses, it just wasn't a casual look at God every once in a while. It wasn't just a casual contemplation about who God is and and who he is every once in a while. It was enduring. It was a, a daily thing. So from the first act of Moses' parents, the two things that we can learn, enduring faith guards you from fearing man, and enduring faith gives you wisdom. On to the second act. Second act, Moses refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Please look into your scriptures, verse 24 and 26. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking where? To the reward. He was looking to the reward. So our first question, what was the crisis? Moses is now 40 years old and he's in the midst of an identity crisis. Moses sitting around opulent wealth, never in need of anything, a prominent position with endless power, more wealth than could be spent in a lifetime, ease abounding around every corner, pleasure upon pleasure upon pleasure granted whenever he wanted to be pleased. What did faith enable him to do? Faith enabled him not to get so drowned by materialism, not to get so drowned by possessions, power, or prestige. But he wasn't blind to them. He saw through them. Through the eyes of faith, he was able to refuse. He refused it all. And to refuse being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter was also refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh. To accept this title would have become, would have meant he became an apostate. One who knows the truth, but yet rejects it. The one who knows what Christ has done for them, what God has done for them, yet rejects it. You see, this letter, the book of Hebrews, was written to a couple different audiences. One of those audiences that was being addressed in this book are people who are questioning their faith. People who are questioning whether they should return to Judaism. Wanting to reject the faith. Because they were facing intense suffering and intense persecution. And so the author of Hebrews, in his brilliance, guided by the Holy Spirit not only told them, here's what faith is as it's defined. Here's what faith looks like on display. I know you Israelites, I know you Hebrews want to run because oppression is tough, persecution is tough, denying yourself is tough. But stay the course, do not deny it, do not run away, run towards me. Refuse that, choose me. Refuse that, choose me. And the Hebrews would have said, well, show it. Show me how. So this author goes right to, right before this is Abraham, and then goes right to Moses. The person of persons that they held up in highest of honor. And so the author is saying, stay the course. Here's how Moses did it. He refused being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the ease of materialism. He refused the ease of a position. He refused the ease of power. All of those things in and of themselves are not evil. It's just when you choose those above choosing God. But then the verse goes on to say, and I hope you're slightly complex or perplexed by this, where it says, he considered the reproach of Christ. Well, hold up. Moses was before Christ. How would he have considered the reproach of Christ? Moses by faith. Because what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. You, you see that Moses was told in the Old Testament that he was going to deliver his people, but that he wasn't the ultimate deliverer. That there's one who's coming. There's a deliverer who is coming. So Moses knew that. Faith gives us the ability to see what is unseen. When Moses identified with Israel, he was aligning himself with the people of God. A people Christ had been identified with since their inception. He had always been one with his people. Isaiah 63 says it like this. In all their afflictions, he 
was afflicted. So let's fast forward a little bit to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, said this in the, in the book of Philippians, and it is this verse that God used to move me out of the corporate world. And to look at my wife and say, hey, I'm going to need to go away for six months, leaving behind a great position and great material wealth. I need to go away. I'm a soldier for Christ who needs to go away for remote training. I don't understand it. I just know I need to grow as, as a son. I need to grow as a disciple of Christ. And I get this sense that God's calling me to grow in this way where I was able to hang out with a man of God who lived faithfully. And it was this verse that changed the trajectory of my family's life. Philippians 3 starts in verse 7. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, that I consider them rubbish, that I may gain. What? Christ. That I may suffer the loss of all things. And if you're checking me right this moment, which I appreciate this church is, it's the old NIV 1984 version. <laughs> Just to be real. Or it says also in Romans, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What did Moses' faith enable him to do? Faith formed, please write this down, faith formed his identity. A chosen child of God. You see, if we live according to our flesh, or if we flirt with our flesh a whole lot, we're pretty slow to turn our head from the ease of materialism, the ease of power or position or what people think of us. Faith formed his identity. Faith enabled him to refuse temporary comfort, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faith enabled him to choose eternal comfort. The great exchange. Faith allowed him to refuse temporary comfort so that he could see and experience even now the eternal comfort that waited him in heaven. What can we learn? Enduring faith. Not casual faith. Not faith, not the faith prayer I prayed last week or when I was a kid. Enduring faith. Daily faith. Daily remembering. I am assured of what is hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. When that is our reality every day, we're able to live by faith. Enduring faith forms your identity and transforms your deepest joys and pleasures. I'll say it again. Enduring faith forms your identity and transforms your deepest joys and pleasures. Faith enables us to find the deepest joy in pleasures and pleasures, in the promises of God, not in the fleeting pleasures of sin. It is God's promises that, our, that are our firm foundation. Sin promises much, but delivers little. Faith enables us to see the temporary pleasures of this world and to fix our eyes on the eternal pleasures of heaven. Enduring faith forms our identity and transforms our joys and pleasures. Third act of faith. Leaving Egypt. Look at verse 27 with me. 
by faith he left Egypt. Not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as, endured as seeing him who is invisible. First question, what is the crisis? Between refusing to be called Pharaoh's son and this act of faith, Moses came to understand with conviction that God was calling him to deliver the Hebrews from slavery. As he discerned this by faith, he set out one day and saw an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. In that moment, he was enraged. His faith was like mine, and maybe like yours, a bit reckless. I'm to deliver my people. I was told by God that this would be true. I need to deliver this person first. Sees an Egyptian and a Hebrew going at it. Comes up to the Egyptian, kills the Egyptian, goes to bury the Egyptian, thinking no one else is around. Then Moses wakes up the next day, runs on out, sees two Hebrews fighting. He pleads with them, stop, why are you fighting? And the Hebrews look at him and say, who are you? Who are you to come and save us? And as we learn from Acts, it was at, at this moment that Moses was wrestling with, Acts 7, that Moses was wrestling with, do they not, they don't see me as the deliverer. Moses' faith in this moment led him to run. What did Moses' faith enable him to do? Faith enabled Moses to see da danger and to run not out of personal fear for his life, but fear that the purposes of God might be thwarted. Because if you see up there, it says in the verse, it says, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Well, if he wasn't afraid of the anger of the king, then why did he leave? I hope as you guys read the text of scripture, if you read a statement like that, that seems contradictory, you wouldn't just roll on past, but that you would dive in. And press into scripture. Scripture is the best commentator on itself. If you, better, if you want to better understand this text, hang out in Acts 7. And then go all the way back to Exodus chapter 2. Moses wasn't afraid of the king. It was his faith that allowed him to see that the king was angry, but to endure because he saw him who was invisible. He saw that God had a plan and that God's plans will not be thwarted. So he ran. Moses' faith enabled him to have a conviction that wasn't formed by his circumstances. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Through the lenses of faith, Moses could see that God was calling him to deliver his people. Yes. Just not right then. I hope this statement you find helpful. Faith provides endurance to run the race the Lord has marked out for you. To run his way. Not your way. When you find you're having trouble enduring in the faith, running the race the Lord has marked out for you, you may be finding or seeking endurance in things apart from God. It doesn't mean that they're always directly evil or sinful. It just means that in some point they have they have become the thing that is guiding your hopes. It has become the thing that are guiding your convictions. It, they are becoming the thing that are making it harder for you to see by faith. J.C. Ryle said it this way. It's a long quote, so stick with me. Faith told Moses that affliction and suffering were not real evils. They were the school of God in which he trains the children of grace for glory. The medicines are needful to purify our corrupt wills. 
the furnace which must burn away our dross, the knife which must cut the ties that bind us to the world. Marvel not that he refused greatness, riches, and pleasures. He looked far forward. He saw with eyes of faith affliction lasting but a moment. Reproach rolled away and ending in everlasting honor. And the despised people of God reigning as kings with Christ in glory. What can we learn? Enduring faith allows you to see through the temporal and on to the eternal. When our view of God is small, our faith will be smaller and our endurance will be fleeting. When our view of God is small and our faith, our faith will be smaller and our endurance will be fleeting. So now we've seen three examples. There is one more. Painted a little picture of what enduring faith can look like on display. I'm sure many of you could attest to the same things and list out more ways, even as you just observed the life of Moses. But the question that we have to grapple with, because this isn't the first sermon you've heard on faith. I know you've heard a bunch of them. The question that we have to be asking ourselves is, Well, what's hindering us? What's hindering us from running the race that the Lord has marked out for us? What's hindering our endurance? What's hindering you from living by faith? As I soaked in that question this week, here are just a few that came to my mind as things that I need to keep pressing on to. The first one, what hinders our ability to live by faith? forget to faithfully tend to the garden of our faith and spend more time tending to the weeds of the flesh. Faith endures through the planting and watering of the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The planting of the seed through memorizing God's word. And watering the seed through meditating on the word. Faith matures as you memorize and meditate on the word. The battleground of faith is fought in our minds. Why does fear often grip us and entangle us more than faith? Simple. We often spend more time feeding it than we do our faith. Faith is fueled by the word of God. As I shared with the brothers at man school a few weeks ago, as we were thinking through this discipline of scripture memorization, my my prayer that week going into that talk and my prayer since then is that we would be a congregation that would linger long next to the fire that is God's word. That we would linger long, that our minds would be illuminated to the truth, and that the affections of our hearts would be warmed next to the fire that is God's word. No one ever makes a fire for warmth and passes by it quickly, expecting to be warmed. I want us to be a church. We want to be a church. You guys want for me and my family. That we would linger long with the word of God. That we would tend to the garden that is our faith and that it would flourish. That beautiful flowers would flourish because they are being fertilized by the word of God that is being meditated upon and being memorized. One of the greatest ways to meditate upon scripture is to learn to pray scripture. My prayer this morning for us as I opened was a prayer out of my journal as I had to spend time confessing how much pleasure I still find in sin. Learn to pray the Word of God. Learn to think well on the Word of God. I know of no man, I know of no woman, enduring in the faith, full of faith, who is not full of the Word of God. 
Spurgeon, as I was talking with Scott earlier today. Spurgeon said this of Bunyan. If you were to cut Bunyan, he would bleed the Bible. Hang out with a guy like Bunyan. Hang out with a guy like Spurgeon. Hang out like with a guy like Charles Simeon or hang out with a guy like Adonair Judson. Surround yourself with men and women of God who stayed the course, who fought the good fight, who ran in such a way as to win the prize, not the prize of the temporary, but the prize of the eternal. Hang out with them. Allow them to help you tend to the garden of your faith. The second thing. I put too much faith, as I alluded to earlier, faith in the fleeting pleasures of sin. To enjoy the pleasure of our faith, we cannot enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Identifying with God and his people will bring eternal joy and pleasure. It will also bring mistreatment, hardship, crisis, but we don't have to be afraid or we don't have to be governed by those things. We've been given the ability by faith to see through them. Faith is the ability to see what is unseen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Discomfort abounds now to stir in us a longing for the comforts of heaven. A person who seeks comfort in the temporary will be uncomfortable for all of eternity. By faith, we are able to press in and understand that any taste of pure joy now is but a foreshadow of how awesome and glorious heaven will be. Now, by faith, we get to die a thousand deaths to sin. John Bunyan said this after church one day when he was out playing in the yard with the kids. There was a moment of, of stillness and he heard this small voice. This was before his conversion. Will thou leave thy sins and go to heaven or have thy sins and go to hell. Years later, Bunyan was facing imprisonment. The police had come and said, you have to stop preaching the gospel. Bunyan said no. He refused. And he chose. They said this, Bunyan, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, you will go back to prison. Bunyan replied, and I pray that this would be the reply of all of us. I would much rather have moss grow on my eyes in prison than to disobey the Lord. I would much rather have moss grow on my eyes in prison than to disobey the Lord. I pray by faith that we would all long to obey the Lord even if it meant imprisonment. These questions help me, and I pray that they would help you. What fleeting pleasure of sin is trying to entangle you? What comfort are you seeking apart from Christ? How are you identifying with the world's pleasures and not what is pleasing to God? Linger along with those questions. But I beg of you to not ask them lightly because our God speaks. We serve a prayer hearing, a prayer answering, wonder working God. When you ask that question, genuinely wanting to know the answer before the word of God, he will show you. And it is in that moment, by faith, you 
put it off. You repent. You refuse it and say, I choose you. I choose you, Christ. What you please, what pleases you, help to work into me so that I could say, pleases me. But as you do that, and as God is gracious to reveal that to you, be quick also not to condemn yourself. I meet with people all the time that we go through questions like this and they're quick to condemn themselves. Chill. If you're in Christ, you have no right to condemn the very person that Christ already took to the cross and crucified. Be patient with yourself. These questions are meant to stir your enjoyment in God and in his forgiveness and in freedom. He has freed you from the shackles of shame and guilt. That is the power of the cross. The power of the cross is also that you get to commune with the Trinity. You have been been invited into a holy communion. So allow these questions to help you press into and enjoy the richness of that community. And now we come to the last act of faith as we prepare to take communion. The fourth act of faith, by faith Moses kept the Passover. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Pharaoh would not let the people of God go. He had enslaved them for 430 years. God was delivering them through Moses, but Pharaoh refused to let them go. Pharaoh believed he was God and had control over life and death. God proved him wrong by allowing the angel of death the destroyer, to kill the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. The only thing that would have saved a family from the horror of losing their firstborn was if they obeyed God and killed an innocent lamb and covered their doorframe with the blood of that lamb. As the destroyer came by, he passed over those homes covered by the blood of the lamb. The door frames that were covered in an innocent lamb's blood were set apart and saved. The angel of death could not touch them. You see, it's not because the, he- the Hebrews were better people than the Egyptians. It's that they were covered by the blood. Of an innocent lamb that was shed for them and covered over them. What did Moses' faith enable him to do? By faith, freedom came through the blood of the lamb. By faith, freedom came through the blood of the lamb. Through the lenses of faith, Hang with me. Through the lenses of faith, through the assurance of things hoped for. What was the assurance? Deliverance. Through the assurance of things hoped for, Moses was able to see that God's plan for delivering his people from slavery was through the blood of of an innocent lamb. A deliverance plan that was not conceived by human reason or human ingenuity. This isn't a plan that Moses could have said, oh, I've seen this done before. No, no, no. God said do, and Moses said yes. Now, Moses didn't always do that. Go read the life of Moses. You'll see how patient our God is. But in this time, he acted. He acted quickly. He acted with wisdom. He acted according to the word of God. Faith enabled Moses To see what reason could not see. That through the death of one, life would come to many. 
What can we learn? As a people of God, a people of Christian faith, we know that through the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from the destroyer, from the devil, from the evil one. Apart from Christ, our Pharaoh is the devil that tries to enslave us. But because of our Savior's blood, the destroyer passes over us. Through the blood of Christ, freedom reigns. Freedom from sin's slavery. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Faith enables you to believe that you are a covered child of God. By faith, when you wake up Monday morning, you say, I'm a covered child of God. I've been covered by an innocent lamb's blood, the son of God, Christ Jesus. Destroyer, I know you're there, but you can't touch me. Destroyer, devil, Satan, sin. I know you're there and you'll try to influence me, but you're not a part of me. I'm a chosen child of God being set apart by the blood of Christ. I've been forgiven and set free. Faith forms your identity. He will try to influence you now. But he has no dominion over you. By faith, freedom reigns through the blood of the Lamb. It is one of the reasons why I love this church. Because every week we celebrate communion. We celebrate this meal that is a distinctive for Christians. It is this meal that we celebrate because we've come to believe on Isaiah 53, 5. Men from man school, I need help saying this together. Isaiah 53, 5. But upon him. But he was crushed. Thank you. But he was crushed for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are what? And with his wounds we are healed. Do you have to work to be healed? No. Christ did that. Christ shed blood is over you. The destroyer can influence you. The devil can influence you. He's prowling around like a roaring lion. Trying to discourage and depress and disillusion you to what's in front of you and how you're going to get through it. But it is by faith when we wake up every morning and we realize that our God is God. Above all authority, power, and dominion upon this earth. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. Some things, no. All things. And by your will they are held together. Worthy are you our Lord and our God. Worthy are you our Lord and our God. When we head into a day like that. Our faith is fueled by the word of God. And a right view of God. And when we view God. Being who he is. And who we are in him. As we are reminded. That through Christ's wounds we are healed. The punishment that we deserved, Christ took. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Christ's follower, a person born of the faith. We come to this table, and as we eat of the bread, we, we hear... His body was broken for you. 
Don't get used to that. That was a real man who died upon the cross for you. He was pierced for your. He was pierced for my transgressions. And as we drink of the cup, his blood was shed for you. As you drink of that cup, remembering today that it is that cup that symbolizes the blood of Christ that covers you. The destroyer passes by. So let's not come to this table casually. Let's come to this table knowing that we are chosen, covered children of God. And for those of you that are here this morning and would not claim Christ as your Savior, I pray that this sermon has invoked a lot of questions within your heart. We are a church that believes in questions. We are a church that believes in community. We are a church that believes in dialogue. We are a church that believes in love. So I pray that you just keep coming back and keep asking questions. And we'll try to answer them in a very, very loving way. But we'll journey with you as you're on this discovery process of discovering how awesome God is and how glorious our Savior Christ is because we're we're all on this journey, and as a Christian, we believe we're on this journey in Christ from this city of destruction to the celestial city in the sky. We would love to journey with you. Today, what we would ask is that you would just chill in your seat, pray and contemplate what you've heard. <laughs> and for the people that are getting up, for the Christians that are getting up, that are taking communion, they're not looking at you in any sort of judgmental way. I know this church. But if you need someone to pray for you, I know they'll pray for you. Please do not leave here today. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, please do not leave here today without asking someone, what does that mean? What is this whole thing about faith? What does it mean, the fleeting pleasures of sin? How do you endure? Please do not leave without asking good questions. We're now going to take communion together. I'm going to pray for us. And then what I'd love for you to do is just chill in your seat for just a moment. And say, Lord, what sin today am I trying to find pleasure in more than you? And I know the Spirit's going to be gracious because we're given the Spirit to convict us and, and to comfort us in this. So just take a few moments, and then as you come to the table, do, please don't come casually, but come honoring Christ and walking in humility. Heavenly Father, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. Thank you for Christ who left the riches of heaven to identify the, with the rags of the poor, with us. Lord, thank you that we get a chance to taste of heaven's reward now by faith. Thank you that we get to enjoy your presence and your power and the promises of your word, Lord, that they are our firm foundation. Lord, thank you that wind may come, storms may come. We may feel pressed in on every side, but in Christ we will not be crushed. Lord, as we each search our hearts, please search our hearts and show us the meditations of our hearts that are not pleasing to you. Lord, what is enough is enough in us that is not of you? Lord, thank you for the gift of repentance. Lord, help us to be a repentant people, refusing of the old and choosing you. 
Lord, thank you for the permanent pleasure of knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.